All right, guys, it is uh, so good to be with you this morning, and uh, man, what a beautiful day, what a beautiful week we've had, such great weather, and uh, great to be together in the house of God together, hearing each other's voices, singing, Zach, thanks for leading us in worship. Um, If you're newer to us, uh, my name is Kelly, and I'm one of the pastors here at Southlands, and um, you know, we are, we're church you might hear us say this once or twice, or maybe every once in a while. We're a church that wants to make much of Jesus, right? We want to make much of Jesus in uh, everything we do and everywhere we go. We want to make much of Jesus in everything that we do. So that means when we gather together on a Sunday morning, we want to make much of Jesus. Some of the ways that we make much of Jesus together is we gather. I mean, just we gather together to uh, encourage one another to share the victories that we had this week, to share some of the challenges we we had this week, to encourage one another and say, man, go for it. You're doing so good. Keep going. Or man, this this has been really hard. I know. And like, how can I encourage you? I'm praying for you. And like, what can I do? How can I help you? And we make much of Jesus together in our relationships. We make much of Jesus together when we're singing. Uh, Sometimes we're, we're just looking at the words and sometimes the words remind us of the truth of who God is. And then through this week, like our hearts, they shrink, right? They, they shrink a little bit. The world comes and circumstances come and kind of push down on us and say, hey, you should believe that life's terrible. Or maybe it fools and says, you're the most amazing person in the world. You have everything perfect. And then we come back and we sing together and we're reminded about how much bigger and how much greater and how much more beautiful and how much more marvelous our King is. And we make much of Jesus in our hearts together as we sing to him. And then one of the other ways we make much of Jesus together is we send under the, the preaching of God's word, his revealed word to us that he continues so faithfully to give us in the preaching. And so we listen and we say, God, we want to make much of you in our hearts as we sit under the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, will you come and will you adjust things in my life that need to be tweaked? And you know, I'm, I'm walking this way and you call me to walk this way and I've kind of like been distracted. Lord, by the power of your word, will you bring me back into a life? You bring me back into the things that you called, the good, good works you prepared for me. Will you remind me of those things? Will you help me to soften my heart where there's hard soil in my heart? And when I hear the word, it kind of bounces off. Or either I get real excited about it in a second, but then it just kind of fades away. Lord, don't let me be like that. Let me be somebody who bears good fruit. Lord, I want to make much of you by listening to your word and absorbing your word and letting it take deep, deep root and bear much fruit in my life. And so... We're a church that wants to make much of Jesus in everything that we do and everywhere we go. And that doesn't just talk about Sunday morning. That's when we leave the doors, right? When we go out today, which we're going to do in about 30 minutes. You're all saying, yeah, right? Uh, in about 30 minutes, we're going to walk out of these doors, and then we're going to go throughout our day, and we're going to make much of Jesus everywhere we go. Whether we're taking a nap on our couch today, falling asleep, watching something that we've seen a thousand times, or we're going out to a restaurant, or wherever we're going, we're interacting with family, we're going to make much of Jesus everywhere we go, too. And we say we want to make much of Jesus in everything that we do and everywhere we go by being and making true disciples of Jesus. See, we, we can often talk about being uh, uh, or, or making disciples like, yes, I'm already a Christian, and so therefore my job, my mission is to go 
help other people become Christians. And that is so true. That is, that's the everywhere we go. But then there's also the being a disciple. See, just because maybe you cross the line of faith, it doesn't mean now like you just never need to like surrender your life to God anymore. There's this continual ongoing process, sorry I'm spitting, as Christians that we say, Lord, I am walking in this sanctification life where the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, the Holy Spirit's calling me, and I'm wanting to be obedient, and I'm leaning into the obedience, and the Holy Spirit's empowering me to be obedient, and so I walk down this line and and listening to the voice of God, and he's helping me to be a disciple, continually adjusting and tweaking and, and and maturing me to become a disciple of Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, our foundation, our litmus of what it means to, dis- to be a disciple is really to be, uh, that word is, is like an apprentice. An apprentice sees what the master does. It's like a plumber, right? There's apprentice plumbers and then there's master plumbers. And the apprentice plumber sets himself to a master plumber, and the master plumber says, now when you sweat the pipe, when you cut the pipe like this, and you can't weld aluminum, that's just not gonna work. You can only do with copper and all these things. And the apprentice plumber is learning from the master plumber, and we as disciples are saying, we're gonna be apprentices of Jesus. That means we wanna do everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus said we should do, right? As disciples of Jesus. One of those things that disciples of Jesus need to be doing, and Jesus encouraged us to do, and we saw in all the scriptures of how Jesus did was pray. He prayed. And you would, we could start off and go, My, wait, Jesus prayed? Jesus was God, fully God, fully man, but he prayed? I mean, if Jesus needs to pray, we need to pray. And if Jesus encouraged his disciples that were with him some 2,000 years ago, that doesn't just mean it was just for them back then. That means it's for us today. And so we want to be a church that makes much of Jesus by being and making true disciples of Jesus by doing what Jesus has called us to do, which is prayer. You guys tracking with me on that one? All right. So we're going to look at prayer, obviously, um, Natalie helped us with the introduction here. And if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 11. And as you turn there and find your place, just put your finger there or your little thing. You know what? My encouragement to you guys is it is so cool to have an app, a phone, right? And, and I'm saying, yeah, use that. But um, something that's a little bit more intentional is actually your physical Bible, and it's great to bring that because you get used to where it is in, the screen, in your Bible. You get to be able to write down in your Bible. You get to be able to get familiar with all of that stuff. So my encouragement to you is even though we have it on the screen, even though you have it on your phone, uh, bring a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles for you in the back, and we can get one for you this morning. It's a free gift for you. So as we approach prayer and we turn to Luke chapter 11, a couple things we, we need to ask ourselves about prayer, okay? And I think sometimes we, 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 we do this with ourselves, we're not sure, so we say things like, should we pray all of the time, like just all of the time, or should we pray only when we're really desperately in need? Should we just always be walking around praying, or should we only be reserving prayer when we're, like, we're, in, we're in big trouble? Should we be formal in our prayers? Or should we be really casual in our prayers? 
You know, um, does God require us to say really weird religious Christianese words? And then that's the only way that he's like, well, then fine, you, you didn't understand what this meant, so I'm not going to listen to you because people in church talk really weird, right? And you got to like, you ever, you ever like not been in church for a while and then, or you go to a new church and you're like, whoa, this is weird. This is a little different because everybody says this word, but I'm not even sure they know what that means. It's like Amiga Montoya from Princess Bride. You keep saying this word over and over. I'm not sure what you know what it means. We, we do this kind of, does God expect that kind of language from us as we're praying? Or does he expect us just to be like, hey, what's up, God? You know? The other question is, should we pray together? Or should we pray alone? I want to say the answer to these is yes. It's yes. Yes, we, we should pray all the time. And then there's times where we should just pray when we really need something because it's a different kind of prayer. Or should we pray like formal prayers? Yes, because we're humbly coming to this great, amazing, powerful God. But yet, yes, we're supposed to pray casually because we have this beautiful, intimate relationship with this creator of the universe. But then also, we should be praying all together, and we should be praying by ourselves, okay? And a couple of things before we get into the text here, I want to identify a couple misconceptions that we have, some problems sometimes that we have when we understand prayer. Number one is this. There's a spiritual formula to prayer. If you've been around the church, or you look at Instagram, or you're watching these really cool preachers get on there, sometimes these guys will tell you, man, if you do this plus this, you'll get this. We're even tempted to do it with the ask, seek, and knock, right? Or say, if you do this, and you do this, and you do that, then this will happen, as if somehow prayer is this mathematical equation that all it takes is just a formula. The other misconception that we have is that the power of prayer is in the earnestness of the person praying. If I really, really believe uh, what's, that, what's that movie I love, babe? The uh, cartoon, Egyptian. Um, pa- uh, something about Egypt. Prince of Egypt. Man, I love that movie. I watch it and I cry every single time. Like when, when Moses meets with God in the burning bush and you, you, he, he, this little tear comes out of his eye because of the holiness of God and he takes off his I just like weep, you know? And then when they're crossing the Red Sea and, and you see the, the kids wonder and amazement. And, I, and then I think about how the, the, they were going to tell their grandchildren all these amazing things God did. Just like, I love that movie. It's such a good movie. You haven't seen it. It's not just for kids. I don't know what I was talking about, but the earnestness of prayer, the earnestness of prayer, there's a song in that that says, there can be miracles if what? You, there can be miracles. See? It's it's like this Disney theology. If I believe hard enough, if I, I, you know, feel the force, I don't know, whatever it is. And then the last misconception we have is that sometimes God does not answer prayer. Sometimes God just doesn't care enough to get involved in our little puny lives. Sometimes God's like, man, I'm way too busy for like your hurt toe, you know? Or I, I just, you know, come to me when you have something worthwhile bothering me with. Um, and so, yeah, that I just really don't have time for you in that little kind of a small thing. Or maybe sometimes God just doesn't answer at all. It's not, you know, and so I think 
we kind of approach God of like, well, will will I even get an answer? I don't know. I'm just going to throw up kind of this kind of prayer in the middle of nowhere. There's some misconceptions that we have when it comes to prayer. So, this is how what we're going to do this morning. With those misconceptions and with those questions of how, when, where, how often, how should we do it, Jesus is going to help us answer those things. And let me preface this. The first portion of the scripture, which we're not going to read this morning, is what's called, a lot of people call it the Lord's Prayer. I like to call it the Disciples' Prayer because Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray like this. And we see Jesus, the, the disciples come up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, hey, uh, how should we pray? What, what should we do when we pray? And Jesus says, do this, 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 and this is how you do this. And so we, we take that the Lord's Prayer, if you know the Lord's Prayer. And now we're going to look at verse 5 through 10, and Jesus is going to unpackage us, uh, package this for us, kind of philosophically, how do we approach this? How, how's the feel? How's the, on our part, what should we be doing here? And he says this in chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. So there's like this familiarity right here. Your friend going to come to you and ask you for something that seems ridiculous? What are you going to tell your friend? No, because you're, you're too comfortable with them. This is too easy to say no. Get out of here, you freak, right? It's, it's midnight. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. All right, and a little bit of context here. This is hard for us to kind of get this because we live in the year 2021, and we all have our, most of our shelves are stacked with stuff. Like our pantry right now, there's stuff, it's really small, and there's probably a couple uh, things of cans of beans that I didn't even know are in there, right? And that's where we live in the first, first world problems. It's like, I got to organize my pantry. These people didn't organize their pantry. They weren't like that. They were like, they knew everything they had in there. And the context that Jesus is talking about here is, is a, an average house in the Middle East. And so what we have to understand, it's not just like a bothersome for this person to get up. Uh, the person asking is trying to save face in a culture that says you need to be hospitable to whoever comes to your door seeking refuge. And so the person is not expecting this person to come to the door. They have nothing in the house. And the culture says, if you don't, if you don't be show hospitality, you're going to be like talked about for the rest of your life. You're going to be known as that guy. You're going to be known as the house that no one wants to be at, right? So this guy's coming. What do you do? Oh, my gosh, I know. Jeff has three loaves. He's got four babies. Surely he's got three loaves, right? I know what I'll do. I know, I know it's midnight, and he's probably tucked in his little babies, and he's got to get up early, but I'm going to go knock on his door. And in this context, everybody would be sleeping in the same room. That's the way it worked. We did this for like a month. Lord 
help us. When we first moved here, we didn't know where we were going to live. A friend of ours said, hey, our, our garage is converted. You could stay in our garage. Me, my wife, and my four children all slept in one room. That was not cool. Especially, you can imagine for some other things too. It was like, hey baby, it's been a while and the kids are all in the room. That was not cool either. <laughs> I said, we got to find a place yesterday. Lord, help me. And so this guy has tucked in all his kids, they're all sleeping, even the animals would all be in one room, everything is nice, and it's midnight, everybody's dead asleep, and here he hears, what in the wild world of sports is going on in here? So that's the context. So Jesus helps us understand, well, okay, when we pray, why are you using this story, Jesus, of how we should approach God and how, our, 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 how we should feel on the inside and the actions that we should take toward God? And I want to say this. The first thing that we need to notice is that we need to pray with impudence. Now, what does this word mean? It's not a word that a lot of us often use. It means to pray or to do something lacking shame or lacking any pride at all. So, when you get on an airplane, most of us do not stand up and go, God, help us, right? We, you, if you have a fear of flying, you might get on that plane and go, oh, under your breath, like, oh, Lord, please don't let this airplane crash today, you know? God, I'm, I'm, the turbulence comes, and it's like, mm, no, no, this, I'm not, I'm, I need a stewardess, I need a bag, right? But you, you're praying under your, under your breath, but... When the pilot gets over the intercom and says, ladies and gentlemen, please brace for impact, put your head between your legs, and the oxygen things fall from the ceiling, you are going to stand up and scream, God, help us! Everybody's going to be screaming, everybody's going to be crying out to God, why? Because they think they're in trouble. And Jesus tells the disciples, when you pray, pray with impudence, pray without shame, pray boldly. Let your pride fall to the wayside. Let what you think that you have in total control, let that go to the, the wayside because the reality is, friends, that we are not in control of our own lives. God is the one who keeps it, all things together. God is the one who holds all things together. God is sovereign. God is in complete control. And if we somehow come to God with these prideful prayers, I'm guilty of this. I'm just admitting to you, I often don't pray, one, either because I think I don't need to pray, or I think, I've got this. God gave me the faculties to be able to, be able to figure this out. After all, I'm such a great person, and, and I've, I'm smart, and I'm strong, and I've, I've had so many years of experience, and I've been through some hardships, and you know I've learned how to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, so when problems come my way, I really don't need to rely on God. I've got this. And Jesus is trying to encourage us and say, disciples, you don't got this. See, the only reason you think you got this is because of my grace constantly being poured out in your life. The only reason that your life is not flying into utter chaos all of the time is because I'm holding it together. 
And when these trials come, don't be fooled and think you got this. See, disciples, cry out. Cry out. Knock on that door. Don't care what people think about you. It's like the plane is going down and you're trying to like say, hey, everything's going to be okay. We got this. If everyone in the room, if everyone in the cabin just thinks hard enough, the plane will be fine. That's not how it works. God is in control. And God's called us to lower our pride in prayer and say, Lord, this, this, you know what a prayer like this is? It's, we just sang it. It's the last song we just sang. Lord, I need you. We're just sitting with some friends praying for health praying for uh, uh, just protection and health upon their body. And our, our, our prayer was, God, we need you to, to come and bring your rescue. God, we need you to intervene into the situation. There's nothing that we can do. Doctors can't fix it. No amount of money can fix this, God. Only you can fix the problem. That's what Jesus is calling us as his disciples, to recognize the power of who God is and say, God, I need you. Help me to lower my pride and think, I got this. Help me, you know, you know what not praying is? Practical atheism. I find that I'm a practical atheist a lot. This problem, this problem, this problem. And my first thought is to, how can I fix this? How can I manipulate the situation so the outcome is favorable for me? Instead of going directly to God first and say, God, you're in control. You're sovereign. Lord, will you pour out your power? Will you pour out your grace? Will you pour out, Lord, will you give me wisdom? Lord, will you, will you fix, will you come and heal? God, will you show your power? Lord, I need you. How often do we do that? I don't think enough. So Jesus says, let's pray with impotence. Number two is where Natalie helped us. He says, I'm calling you to ask, seek, and knock in prayer. And so if we were to take these this morning, Often what, what we do when we read this, we just think it's, oh, it's three uh, forms of prayer or it's, you know, Jesus just reaffirming us that, you know, we need to continue in prayer. He says, ask, seek, and knock. But actually, what this is, is really a progression of prayer. And let's not get, I'm not saying this is a formula because faith has to be added to this. But Jesus is encouraging us and Natalie so helped us understand that this morning. And so let's dive deeper into that. So the first one is ask. So what does that really mean? Well, obviously we know that it's, it's requesting help, right? So Jesus is saying it is good to go to God and ask for help. It's good to go to God and ask. And that's, that should be the first thing that we do. We say, God, Lord, I need you. I, I'm asking here. The second thing is seeking. So this is not just requesting help for a need. This is requesting help for a need married to the action of pursuing. You got that? So yes, we're asking. We are requesting our need. But it's married to the pursuance of the answer. A prayer like this would be something. The first 
the, 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 let, me, let me backtrack here. The, the asking prayer would be like, Lord, I, I need community. I'm, a little, I'm alone. Lord, I, I need community. The second prayer, seeking, would be like, Lord, I need community. Help me to be brave and to join a church or to join a community group or to get involved with a, a study or you know, something like that. And then we move on to knocking. And this is not just requesting help for a need with the action of pursuing, but it's married to persistence. Remember that story that Natalie helped us with is, man, Tom wouldn't be here today. Oh, Tom. If that neighbor didn't keep knocking on the door. And this would be something like, Lord, I need community. Help me to be brave, to join a community group, join church, and help me to invest and be consistent even when I don't feel like it. So there is... Lord, I'm crying out to you, but in prayer, there's also God. I understand there's also a responsibility that you've given me. Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus in this ask, seek, knock. See, it's not a like, okay, you asked, you sought, and you knocked. And then that's it. And he said, all right, you did your part. The Greek here is this a, a, a present, uh, it's a present imperative. It's a present imperative. So it's ask and keep on asking. It's seek and keep on seeking. And it's knock and keep on knocking. Now, why does Jesus call us to do this? Why does he say, okay, when you pray, ask, but keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Is it just like God's like kind of looking and just wanting to see if we'll actually do it? What a bunch of knuckles, they actually do it, you know? And he's up there laughing about how silly it is, or look how dumb they look. Why? Is it because if we say it enough times, something magical will happen? Like uh, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz? All right, close your eyes, click your heels together three times, and say what? There's no place like home. There's no, and it wouldn't happen if she only said it two times, but because she said it three times, what happened? She wakes up and she's back in Kansas. Is that what God's trying to do with us? He's trying to get us to do some magical formula? No! The keeping on keeps us in a place of dependence, expectancy, and connectedness to God. All right, I'll say it again. Ask, seek, knock, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Why? Is it because there's a formula? No, because the keeping on keeps us in a place of dependence, keeps us in a place of expectancy, and it keeps us in a place of connectedness to God. Marianne and I were having this conversation about like, you know, how should we pray and should we pray about everything all the time? And like, should we pray about, you know, whether I should wear the red shirt today or the blue shirt today? And it's, I've heard stories like this where a guy was talking about, Lord, I'm going to blah, 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 I'm going out today, and God said, hey, I want you to wear this shirt. And he's like, oh, okay, and he puts on the shirt. And then all of a sudden, because he's wearing this shirt, somebody has a conversation with him about that shirt, and he ends up leading that person to Jesus. That's amazing. Do we need to always go to our wardrobe and say, Lord, I, I can't do anything today until you tell me to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt? I don't think so. I think we need to be in a state of prayer and keep on asking where we're always living a life of, Lord, will you always lead and guide me into every single situation? 
God, will you always be speaking to me about whatever it is that you have for me this day? As we begin our day and we say, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. That includes God may be able to come and break into your specific situation and say, wear the red shirt. But it's because we're in this constant place of being connected to God in prayer. It's because we're in this constant place of being dependent upon God. It's because we're in this place of where we're saying, Lord, I need you, and so I will ask, seek, and knock, and I will not stop doing it. Not because you think, it's so funny, but because you're saying, I want you to be dependent on me. Why is God secure, insecure? Does he need us to need him? Is he needy? Is you like, I feel so good about myself when you come to me. You know, like if my wife, uh, she was at work yesterday, and I went in early with her, um, and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some studying done at the coffee house. Um, and so I'm there. It's just me. I got the privilege of getting in the place early, and I'm working there all by myself. And all of a sudden, my wife says, babe, babe. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I, I need help with this thing. And I, I don't work there, right? And I'm thinking, you need help with something I don't even know about, right? Now, I'm not going to throw you totally under the bus, just a little bit under the bus. Okay, so she's like, babe, I can't, there's something wrong with the faucet. So I walk back into the coffee kitchen. And I'm like, oh, you know, this wasn't on. Felt good about myself after that because she needed me. She needed me to come and Fix the situation. Is that what God is doing? Is he, like on this little ego trip, I want you all to just recognize how amazing I am. Yes, God wants us to recognize how amazing he is, but not because he feels this lack somehow and he has a vacuum that needs to be filled. No, it's because he knows that when we depend, when we seek, when we go to him, it's good for us. God doesn't need anything from you. God doesn't need you to do one thing for him. He doesn't need anything. If God needed anything, he wouldn't be God. God wants us to need him because it's good for you and for me. Why else is God reluctant to answer us and only answers us if we nag him. Is that what he's trying to get us to understand here? No. The keeping on overcomes our apathy and our self-reliance, not God's reluctance. Let me say that again. The keeping on in asking overcomes our apathy and our self-reliance, not God's reluctance. The keeping on changes the heart and the mind of the person praying, not the heart and the mind of God. And the keeping on combats the drive-through mentality of our relationship with God. That's what we really want, isn't it? To be honest, sometimes I just want God to be able to answer my prayer right away the way I want it. You ever sit at the drive-through and think, oh my gosh, this is taking Four minutes. You know your great grandma when she made you a, a meal, she had to like kill it and then put it in the oven and it took a week for it to become completion. We live in a day and a culture where we can drive at any moment through any part of the town and get what we want within about five minutes. And if it takes longer than that, I'm writing a Yelp review. 
and we bring that relationship into our relationship with God. And God says, ask, seek, knock, and keep doing it because our relationship ain't in this drive through buddy. See, our relationship is this. You need to be dependent on me and you need to know that I am your answer for everything and be impudent and don't just give up on the first try. I want you to be tenacious in your prayers because when you do it, your faith is exploded, your faith is, is, is raised and you start to see God for who he is, not who we want him to be. Now here's the cool thing. I think that God answers our prayers, or sometimes, I don't know why, I think sometimes he's waiting to answer our prayers until we actually go to him in prayer. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know why it works that way. I don't know, it's this mystery, it's this beautiful mystery that we get to partner with God and say, God, I need you, and he's like, yeah, I know I need, you need me, and I'm gonna bless you. And because you asked, I'm going to give you. And it sometimes feels like God's just waiting for us to ask. And my encouragement to us as Southlands Chino, let's go to God and ask him. Let's go to him every single time we need something. Let's go to him every single time one of us is in trouble. Let's go to him every single time one of us needs a job or him to come financially through or him to come through in our health or him to come through in our relationships or him to come through in the way that we think or our heart is a little askew or we need power to be on mission to see people come to know Jesus. Let's go to him every single time. And what we can do is then say, God, we know that you're faithful to answer. Will you answer us? Will you come through and show your power. But we have to be okay with God saying, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do, or I am going to do what you're, you're, you want me to do, or I'm asking you to wait. See, that one of the misconceptions we have is that God doesn't answer our prayers. God always answers our prayers. Always. Sometimes it's no, and that's for our good, and sometimes it's yes, and that's for our good, and sometimes it's not right now, and that's for our good. God's not a drive-thru, but we should beseech him. All right. We're almost done. You guys hanging in there? You doing okay? I think sometimes we think theologically incorrect about prayer. So, what is prayer? Prayer is me talking to God. Prayer is me coming to God and in my heart, in my mind, and even with my words, I'm speaking to him and I know that he listens. But I think theologically somehow that between me and God that there is this cosmic lock in between me and God. It's standing, this is just there's this firewall for you IT people that is standing in the way of getting this communication clear. And so if I pray hard enough, I pray strong enough, that it's like WD-40 on a rust lock. So I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, and the lock's starting to, ooh, I can see it's starting to squeak, and it's, it's getting loose, and click, oh, yes, I prayed hard enough. Look at that, I got through to God. See, that's not what prayer is. Prayer actually does loosen Rusty locks, but the lust, rust, lusty rocks, the rusty locks are actually in our hearts. If 
prayer really is to help us be more dependent on God, if prayer really is us to say, God, I need you, if prayer really is to get us in a place where we're humbling ourselves and saying, I, I need God to come through. I can't do this on my own. I'm not going to practice practical atheism anymore. I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to cry out to God. It does something in here. There is nothing that God is subject to, friends, as if somehow our prayers unleash God to be powerful. God's always full of power, completely all-powerful. And our prayers don't release this cosmic lock that was blocking us from God. What they do is they release the lock that was blocking our hearts from God, from understanding his will to us. Theologically, we need to understand that God has given the grace of prayer to us as his people and disciples so that it keeps us in constant relationship with him. If he didn't, then we wouldn't need to pray. We would just walk around all day and just go like, it doesn't matter. We're fatalistic. It doesn't matter. We don't need to pray. See, God wants us to pray because there's rusty locks over our hearts. You guys all right? All right. Number three, Jesus is going to finish this out. Not only do we need to pray with impotence, not only do we ask, seek, and knock, but we need to know God's character. And he says this, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, thanks Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Let me say that again. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, we need to know that God is not a reluctant gift giver. See, we could take the first part of this and see, oh, that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us that God is grumpy and always in an upset mood, and he's annoyed with us because we come to him with a request. But if you annoy God enough, you'll get your way. No. See, Jesus, in the first part, he's trying to tell us, don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't stop praying. Be bold in your prayers. And then, if we're tempted to believe somehow that Jesus is trying to tell us that God is this grumpy God, that he's reluctant, and he wants to withhold from us, he says, uh-uh-uh, no, no, that wasn't the point of what I was saying. I was trying to tell you to keep on going. Now, let me tell you about the character of God. See, God is a good father. He is good, and if you who are imperfect, you are imperfect fathers and moms, and you want to give your kids good stuff because it blesses you to bless your kids, God's like that times a trillion. He, when, when you ask him for good stuff, he's not going to be like jack-in-the-box, like elf, and he's, he's the guy that has to test all the jack-in-the-boxes, right? And you're like, <laughs> it jumps out and he scares you every team, and he's like, ha, 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 got you. No, God, every single time when he asks, he's like, I want to give you good things. I want to bless you more than you even want to be blessed. That's my desire. <sighs> Guys, I think what we have to see here is that The key phrase that Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? And this really is is challenging for me because my heart 
kind of desires stuff. You know, my heart desires circumstantial, really good situations. I want, I want my finances to be in order. I want my kids' relationships and mine to them and all my relationships to be in order. I want, I want to be able to like have enough money in the bank. I want to have all of the things and I want to ask God for that. And it's not wrong to ask God for those things. But Jesus says, how much more will God give us the gift of the Holy Spirit? And I think the challenge for us to, is to see the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, as the highest gift that we can receive as disciples of Jesus. Why? Why should the Holy Spirit be the most precious, the most highest gift that we can receive? Is it because He's God? Yes, yes, we can like, just go to the answer. But I think it, it, we have to dive a little bit deeper into that because here's the truth of the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, you and I, we have been called to what the Bible says are good works that have been prepared for us. We have been called, and those good works, they're, they're, they're to bless one another. They're to bless our community. They're to spread the name of Jesus. They're to bring glory to the name of Jesus everywhere we go. And the reality is those good gifts that we have been called to cannot be accomplished on our good measures or our own good earnestness or our, in our own what we call good power. It only can be done and accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when our eyes start to turn from the gimme, 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 bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, let me hoard, 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 hoard this, and it starts to turn towards being a disciple of Jesus, we start to understand that I cannot do anything that God has called me to do without the power, without the encouragement, without the leading, without the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is putting this in context. He says, disciples, when you pray, don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't stop asking, seeking, knocking. Be bold in your prayer. Let your pride go. Don't think that you have it all together. And by the way, when you ask, it's good that you ask because our Father in heaven, my Father in heaven, loves when you ask and he wants to give you good things, especially the person of the Holy Spirit. Because you're going to need him. You're going to need him. Isn't it so cool that the Holy Spirit doesn't just like, he's not just like this force that just like tells us, all right, all of a sudden we, oh, I feel powerful now to be able to tell everyone about Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's impersonal and it like, this force comes and goes, and it's like, you know, we get possessed like in the movies, like, ugh, all of a sudden, and then I start doing something weird and radical and powerful. See, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit's a person. And, and sometimes life sucks. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes it doesn't go our way. That's a lot of the time. And the person of the Holy Spirit comes around and says, hey, I want to remind you, you're, you've been bought with a price. I want to remind you of who you are in Christ. I want to remind you that I will never leave you or forsake you. I want to remind you that no matter how bad your worst day is, I will always be with you. 
I want to remind you of the joy of your salvation that I, I started in your heart. Remember that? You, you were once an enemy of me, and then I came and I rescued you. I want to remind you of that. Lest we think somehow God's saying, I want to give you the gift of this vacuous, impersonal power that will cause you to be like super Christian. That's not what Jesus is telling us here, friends. He's saying there's a person of the Holy Spirit that wants to come and encourage you. So ask. We can do that right now. We can do that right now. We can say, Holy, why don't I just lead us in a prayer with that right now? Would that be okay? And maybe you, you're like, this feels a little weird. You don't have to do anything. Maybe you just need to listen. I don't know. What's, what's helpful is you could just close your eyes. And closing our eyes doesn't make it more spiritual. The reason why we close our eyes in prayer is because it helps us to just be focused. Because sometimes our attention goes all over the place. So why don't we just close our eyes? I'm going to pray a prayer for myself and for us as God's people to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what he wants in us. That's simple. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are intimate, that you're a person, that you love us, that you lead us and you guide us. Holy Spirit, we just ask that if you have, if we have thought of you impersonally, we've forgotten about you, we've kind of lived lives our own way, Bring us back to the, the truth that you're for us, you're with us. And so we, we just say even now, right now where we're, we are in this very moment, will you help us? Will you, if there's any um, anxiety in our hearts, God, will you help that to fall to the wayside? If there's any anger that we're wrestling through with either our society or with a family member or a friend, will you help us to surrender that? If there is a lack of understanding of, of you, and will you, will you bring us to that truth that you are for us, that you're good, you love us, you're perfect, and you're calling us to lay our life down before you. We just, we just say we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence. We welcome your leading. We welcome your guiding. And we do this as sons and daughters of our Father who is in heaven. We hallow your name this morning. We ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here in this place this morning and in our hearts just like it is in heaven. We pray that you would give us all the things that we need, our daily bread. And we ask God that you would forgive us of our sins and you would help us to forgive others. Lord, we stand before you and say, come, 
We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me just end with this. Marianne and I have been debating for probably a month on prayer. And it's been good because it's challenged us. It's challenged us to really dig in and say, okay, what do I believe about prayer? And there's this saying that goes around the church. It says, prayer changes things. And I think that is true. But I I would say, I think it's a little theologically anemic. Because prayer does change things. But here's, I think, really what prayer really changes. It changes us from being self-sufficient to God-dependent. Prayer changes our relationship with God as some cosmic genie into an intimate father. And prayer changes our thinking from misunderstanding God's character into knowing God's character in all circumstances. See, prayer does change things. It changes us from the inside out. Because this grace of prayer that God has given us is a tool, it's a gift for us to walk and draw closer to God. And how much more God want to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit to rely on Him and to do that. Amen? Amen. All right. Will you guys stand with me this morning?